Hi, I'm Zane. And I'm Anthony, and you're listening to Runners on Trail, the trail running podcast by Midpack Runners. For Midpack Runners. And this episode is all about the Tsunami Race Series down in Devon and Cornwall along the Southwest Coastal Path. A series of five different races. Me and Anthony did two of them. Find out how we got on. This is Runners on Trail, episode 20. So welcome back and we are talking about the tsunami races that took place in Devon and Cornwall in June. The longest day of the year? Yeah. Very long day for you. Extremely long day. Less long for me. Yeah. And an awful lot of climb. Yes. Definitely a lot of climb and a fair amount of heat too. Yeah. So the tsunami race is interesting organisation. I think that's what we love about a lot of this stuff is that people do things in a different way. And so the organisers set up five races. Correct. One of which was the one that you did, which was the 75 miler. 75 miles in 24 hours. Yep. And then there was a 37 and a half miler, effectively. Which was half of the the one I was doing. Effectively, mine was an out and back. So this was just the back leg. Yep. Uh, Then a marathon, which started from Clavelli Harbour. And then a half marathon. Well, 16 miler. 16 miler. That's more than half, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And then a seven and a half miler. So what's Mm. that? 11 and a... Nearly 12k. Yeah. Let's call that. And the really interesting dynamic is they're all timed to finish at the same time. Correct. So the longest races go off first. So we started seven in the evening, ran through the night, and then at various stages in the morning, the other races started. Yeah. And what that created was a really interesting dynamic that we can get into in that you had lots of different runners, mm. different types of runners running on the course at the same time. Yeah. And would Thane get past Anthony and then have Anthony touch him on the back of the head as he comes running past? Well, that was my intention. Was always I always thought when I looked at the timings for the event that I would probably finish before you did. Yeah. Just because of the start time of the marathon, we had so much time to more time to run it per mile effectively than you did for the 75 miler but it was whether you'd get past the start of the marathon before i started yeah and therefore as you say i'd get to um trip you up shout, <laughs> shout abuse at you um as i went past so we went down to bude which is where the start of the 75 miler was and i went to wave you off i think there are about 30 odd competitors yeah, yeah. running yours i think i saw numbers that were 29 or 30 there yeah it's either 29 30 i can't remember and of course some might not have turned up so i'm not quite sure the exact numbers of people yeah, started of i'm course. pretty sure there were at least 29 or 30 starters yeah and really lovely castle viewed lots of people waving you off there was quite a few people who turned up who weren't running that race but were running mm. in races the next day yeah which is interesting to see it's right in the middle of the town yeah lovely Bude's a beautiful place it is and off you guys went it was all right weather it was it nice was, it was quite warm to be fair i mean it's an interesting you're wearing you're, tights and a jumper I, uh, it's it started off at seven o'clock in the evening which is an unusual time to start a race yeah. normally you start in the morning but here you start in the evening uh, and then you know in a couple of hours time it's going to get quite chilly and cold and actually it was really cold at night but it was actually quite hot during the day as well and therefore i started in tights thinking right in two hours i don't want to stop to have to put things on in hindsight, it was probably too hot to start in what I did. Yeah. But I just about got away with it. I don't reckon it would have been that cold overnight to run in shorts. Yeah. It was It was in the dips. It was properly cold. Yeah, I can imagine. Very that low, very low. The interesting bit, of course, of starting at seven at night is if you do a 24-hour race, they typically start in the morning and you've had a night's worth of sleep. And so by the time you finish that 24-hour race, you've probably been awake for... Between 24 and, let's say, 30 hours, yeah, roughly. And this one, of course, by the time you've finished it, you're probably going to... If you finished at the end on the cutoff at 7 o'clock on Saturday night, you'll have been awake for 36 hours. Correct. Unless you've managed to get some sleep in the afternoon. I drove down. I reckon you got about half an hour in the car, maybe. At best. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that did affect things, I think, a little bit. Because you, you do start thinking, right, I'm going to get more... I've done a kind of a day... I've kind of, you know, got out, been to work or whatever. You've picked me up or gone down there and then you start a race. That's an unusual scenario. Yeah. Um, you're kind of, uh, you know, you get to 10 o'clock at night already and you're only three hours into the race and you're thinking, well, oh, I want to go to bed. And you've got to do another, another 21 hours. Yeah. But I guess the thing about this is there's never anything wrong with how a race is organised. Mm. It just creates a different dynamic. Yeah. You know, they're all challenges to be met, aren't they? Yeah. And the challenge in, especially in ultras, as we've talked about before, of course it's in the running or being on your feet 
but there is so much more to the challenge than just the run and that's what makes it interesting you all knew going into it what time we would start but it's like how do you factor that into your planning and how can you factor that into your planning of course mm. yeah, yeah there'll be some people who could have taken the day off work and some people like you who struggled to do so so yeah there you go so you guys started off and I headed off by the way to a youth hostel I, I know I was going on about it but youth hostels brilliant place to stay I think it cost me 18 quid for the night to stay in a beautiful quiet bit of countryside before I race the next day fantastic you though ran off and headed effectively up the Devon coast no up the Cornish coast no up, yes up the up Cornish, Cornish coast, coast. This is notoriously the section of the southwest coastal path which has got the most climb on it. In particular, from Bude up to Heartland Point, you go up and down. God, I can't even remember twenty odd from the from the cliff down to where a stream was cutting through to get to the sea, and then back up the other side. Really steep descents and ascents up to Heartland Point, and then it's still quite hilly even then. When rather than heading north, you start to head east out towards um, Westward Ho. You're definitely right, and we can talk about that as we talk about how the race is developed, but. That I effectively I did that in reverse on the way back, mm. and the first bit from Clavelli, not counting the climb out of Clavelli because yeah. nothing on the course was steeper than that. <laughs> um, but the run from Clavelli to Harland Point was nowhere near mm. as difficult in terms of climb as the bit from there back to Beaudewax. Yeah. yeah, there is a lot of climb on the Southwest Coast Path. That said, how much is there in terms of you know how much is it compared to other stuff? It's not just about the climb, of course. Mm. It's in terms of vert it's about the terrain underfoot it was quite chalky and sandy and so as you're walking your feet however good your grip is if the ground gives way under your feet yeah it's harder to to walk and to run yeah and of course the heat you know mm. the hotter it is the more difficult those days become and where water stops are all of these different dynamics yeah. affect races in a different way yeah and this one again i found it really quite interesting the way it ended up working so anyway you- it's quite interesting in the fact that you know you, you're the height above sea level only goes up to about maximum. Is that 600 feet or so? A maximum, oh yeah. 200 um, metres max, I would have thought. Not even that in places. But overall, for the 24-hour ultra, you're doing over 17,000 foot of climb. 17,000 foot of climb. That's, that's a lot. Ridiculous. That's like two-thirds of a Bob Graham round. Or, or put it another way, it's another 3,000 feet on top of Transvolcania. Yeah, that's a lot of ascent. <laughs> Bearing in mind you're only going up and down from, you know... That's from sea level. That's five and a half thousand meters. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty gnarly. And I can't remember exactly how much it was for the marathon. I think it was about two thousand meters. So anyway, that night run because that's the bit, of course, I didn't see you on. Mm. You were all tracked, so I could keep an eye on where, roughly where you were. And I did look out the window of my youth hostel to see if I could see anyone because <laughs> I was. It was fairly close to the coast. It was about two miles away, and I was hoping to see these little bobby heads. You were going to come and sit on the coastal path for a bit, and then uh, give us moral support. But I think you bailed. Well, I you? was. I was thinking of buying some fish and chips and just coming along and, and watching you as, as you came running past me, telling you you weren't allowed any because that would have uh, broken the race rules. And, then just, <laughs> and just watch you all with a can of beer. But in the end, I had fish and chips while I was waiting for you to start, and just went back and went to bed. It was much better that way. So, the first bit of the run, how was it? I found it quite hard. So, context-wise, this was after the Bob Graham round support. <laughs> that uh, I uh, had had from spine various injuries, and the Bob Graham round support was kind of the first real thing I had done. Even in terms of, I hadn't really even managed any training before it, but my injuries had kind of largely disappeared. So, I had been able to do a little bit of training for this, but we discussed whether I should step down from doing the 75 miler looking at the climb and do a shorter race if i was allowed to and i decided you know what mentally it was in my head i was going to give it a go and i was feeling like i had a reasonable chance of finishing but i knew i was still going in under trained uh, it was still a bit of a surprise though that only after about three or four miles i was at the back of the 29 field so right at the back and whilst i had started around probably 20th nine people had gone past but i i was quite good in the fact i didn't panic i just kept pace going so on the tsunami 24 24 hours 75 miles 17.3 thousand foot of ascent um i'm I don't know, 12, 13 miles in, I think. Um, um, not going too bad. 
the ascent there's lots of up and down and the ascents are really steep um but i'm running the flats and the downhills um i think i'm keeping a good consistent pace it's hard on the ups but then when you get to the flats and the flats arrive you know reasonably quickly when you get to the tops um i'm able to to run um i am second to last <laughs> um i was in the back to begin with Hish, um in the last four or five runners and then dropped to the back uh, and then a few miles out of the seven eight mile aid station i uh, went into penultimate place um at, uh, so that means there's I don't know, I can't remember how many people in the race, but 29 people ahead of me. Went off at a feral cracking pace, but uh, I don't know. I'm happy with what I'm doing. I know it's going to be tough and I've just got to keep going. Um, can't do much more than I'm doing. I'm running the bits I can run. I thought I should be running. I'm ascending reasonably well the bits I'm going up, but uh, some more some good hill climbers, but I need to keep it consistent. Um, so I'm happy with what I'm doing, I'm enjoying it, um, despite being almost at the back. Um, it's now night, or twilight, the sunset. I've just put my head torch on. It's beautiful, you know, what a lovely bit of coastline. We've got a lot of nice coastline, um, and uh, this is a beautiful chunk of it, so it's inspiring to have the sea on your left. Um, going this way, see on the right coming back. Um, yeah, it is a, getting a bit chilly now. I started in my um, tights, my montane tights, uh, which are kind of, to be honest, kind of a winter running tight. And I did that. It was hot when I started, and it probably wasn't appropriate for the first hour and a half, two hours, but it's actually quite cool. I can see my breath just about. So it's going to drop to six degrees and I'll be glad I'm glad I got them on now um, I mean everyone else is in shorts I'm the only one it's a uh, yeah I'm, I'm content with where I am you know even now I'm thinking am I gonna make it um, it's gonna to be tough it's just the ascent it's a lot of climbing um, and uh, whilst I'm working hard Maybe it might not be enough, I don't know. But not at panic stations yet, just keep going. As long as I can keep running the flats and downhills, I'm reasonably confident I should just about manage it. As you can see, even then I was struggling a bit. Yeah. But I had a consistent pace and uh, I was confident that if I just kept working away at it I would be able to start to maybe catch up the field and start to be able to overtake people whoa Ooh. fireworks uh, and that of course is one of those things that you have to decide how you're going to run a race mm. are you going to run it hard at the beginning accepting for example in this race that the first half is at night mm-hmm. so it's cooler so you make the most of the nighttime temperatures thrash yourself a little bit harder and then you've done X amount the next day, but only have to do so much in the keys of the daytime. Or do you decide, no, I'm going to be nice and consistent, not thrash myself too hard. Everybody, when they run a race, has to make a decision based on yes. the prevailing factors of all the things we've talked about, height, terrain, temperature, distance, of which way they're going to do it. Mm. And you and I both tend to go for a fairly consistent race pace when we do yeah. it. We find that works for us. Yes. And especially in this particular case, I hadn't done hardly any training I didn't have any injuries, but I wasn't fully trained. The best I could really do was to have a consistent pace. I wasn't going to be able to go out and thrash it because that my race would have been over after 20 miles. Yeah. And I think you did it right. Mm. I genuinely think you did it right. Whether you were going quick enough at the beginning is yeah. a different matter of at least yeah. going for a consistent pace. Yeah. Looking back on it now, I think certainly for the first quarter, I had the right kind of pace um, to, to put in a, um, a, a what sh- should be a reasonably solid performance so on the way out you were clearly experiencing the aid stations and carrying food just quickly what were the aid stations like and what were you eating the the aid stations were fine they were standard trail fare 
Yeah. Uh, to be honest, there was, uh, you know, plenty of water and the rest of it. Um, interestingly on this one, there's in some instances a reasonable distance between aid stations. And therefore, whilst you might have two bottles up front, we had a bladder in the back as well. And on a couple of the sections, I took the extra, um, extra water on board. Okay. I'm glad I had that capacity. Um, I also took a fair amount of gear with me compared to a lot of other people. There were some very um, small packs and there some were, much larger um, packs. And mine wasn't the biggest, but no, it was it kind of, of a fairly, probably above average size. But I did want to have everything I needed for all eventualities. I knew it was going to get cold at night and it did get cold and I'm glad I had my tights on. Uh, some people might have got away without them. I, I probably wouldn't. Um, and we've talked before about certainty and uncertainty and trying to remove that as a factor in a race and the more uncertainty you can remove the less your mind worries about those things Mm. and focuses on the things it can focus on so there is a bit that says carry the extra kit get rid of the uncertainty and I've had a race recently where I meant to carry my GPS for part of the race pick it up in a drop bag yeah forgot to pick it up in the drop bag and for the next five miles all I could think about was I might get lost. I might get lost. What if the trail markings aren't right? Yeah. And it yeah. completely played on my mind. Yeah. And interestingly, in this race, I took GPS with me, even though nominally it says you're just going to follow the coastal path um, indicators on the signpost. And also there's going to be flags out on the course. I'm so glad I took the GPS because I had to refer to it even in the first quarter, about half a dozen times to verify the route. Because whilst there were flags... They weren't many of them and also they weren't luminous. So they weren't showing up in head torches. They were kind of laid probably like they've done in previous years for people running in daylight in the other direction. But we were going out in reverse at night. Uh, the flags were quite small. Yeah. Probably could have seen them easily in the day. Couldn't see them at night. That was quite tricky. Uh, and I, I have think- to refer to it quite often. Yeah. And I have to say, when I ran the next day running back... There were a couple of places where either they weren't flagged mm. or the flags weren't obvious. Because uh, a couple of times I found I'm wearing a peaked hat and the flags were almost up at six foot level. I didn't even spot them. Yeah. That was fine. But there were, I think there were also some times where some people have moved them at really important pl- parts. And that, of course, can cause real issues. Mm. And the responsibility is on you as the runner most of the time to be able to navigate yourself. Yeah. We were provided with maps at the start. Correct. So there you go. So yeah, if you're finding you the map, to... they're saying to you, I'm going to mark the course, yeah. but the nav's up to you. Yeah. Yeah. And and you shouldn't need it, but you, you should keep a mental note of where you're on the course and be aware of it at all times. Yeah. Uh, and, and people got caught out uh, and I didn't get caught out, save once when I had to climb through 50 yards of thick <laughs> brambles. Uh, but apart nice. from that, it was, uh, it was largely okay. Right, so about 20 miles done, just gone round Heartland Point, um, still moving quite well, I think that's most of the climb for this leg done, I mean it's still hilly but um, crikey, those were lots of hard short ascents, it was hard going, um, but yeah, I've got I think about five people behind me, although two are only literally just behind me. Um, I'm feeling alright. I think I'm doing an okay pace so I can keep this going. I'm uh, running what I can, which is basically flattened downs and walking as fast as I can the ups, but I'm quite consistent. Um, glad I've got my GPS because uh, the flags aren't luminous and it's easy to get off track. So. I might have gone wrong once, and once I dropped down and had to scramble back up through gorse, so I'm glad I had my trousers on. So anyway, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, t- I'm not tired, but I'm working hard, I think for me. Um, I'm quite happy with how it's going. I know there's a lot of people ahead of me, but it doesn't really matter. If I can keep this going, then I'll be good. So after 20 miles, you've gone past Heartland Point, which is the obvious stage where you've been heading north and then you start to head east towards Westwood Ho. By that time now, I'd started to overtake a few people. I'd overtaken, I think, three people back. Um, so I was now like in 26 kind of place. 
and I was just keeping consistent. Other people were just having a few little issues or were getting cold or something else. So I just kept kept going. And from there, you don't have quite so much climb. There is still the odd bit where you have to go down and up steeply, but there's not anywhere near as frequent. And there's some more runnable sections than there were in the first quarter. But I think if we haven't emphasised it enough at the moment, this course is basically up and down. Yeah. There is a lot of up and down. Yes. Short up and downs, but they're quite steep extremely steep it's it's proper hands-on knee stuff yeah and i had my poles with me but they were in my kit bag and uh i wish i'd probably had them from the start in fairness and so the next morning i woke up and looked at the tracker which they had of you of course and saw that you hadn't quite made the turnaround when i woke up and i was quite concerned that you weren't going to make the halfway point before the cutoff so what had gone on after that 20 mile point so even now not quite sure i felt like i was doing a reasonably good pace but through that second quarter as it were from heartland point to westward ho my pace slowed there were still a reasonable amount of climb there was more than i had probably appreciated and i wasn't now running as much of it as I had probably anticipated. I had set good sections of running, but the terrain isn't straightforward. It is quite difficult. And that, that section from Heartland Point to Westwood Ho on the face of it looks simple, but there are some really gnarly little bits in it. Uh, and therefore, uh, and, and even to illustrate the point, there was one point where a number of runners got lost for half an hour because one of the Marcus was in the was was in the wrong place or had been moved into the wrong place and I overshot and lost 10 minutes but people had lost a lot more ahead of me and I they said have you got a GPS I was like yeah we've just gone past it um so there were little things like that that uh, messed up and I really had to put the hammer down to get to the turnaround so the turnaround is at 11 hours uh at of the 24 of the 24 at the 37 and a half miles uh, which gives you 13 to come back which as we know is is touch and go kind of territory because you never no one ever no one ever negative splits these races not normally no. <laughs> so not with that much climb involved in distance so i made it to the turnaround with about eight minutes to spare and now i was running in i'd overtaken nine people so i was in like 20th place and the nine runners behind me now all got cut Right, so, not recorded for a while, that was tough going, I've just made the turn around at 37 and a half miles, um, cut off's 11 hours, and I made it in 10 hours 50, so 10 minutes there, so I've been fairly pushing it, that means I've got 30, so 13 hours and 10 minutes to get back, which I should be able to do if I just keep a reasonable good pace up um touch wood it'll be all right but it's been tough it's a lot of climb um the second half of the way out wasn't as bad as the first half by any means but nonetheless it's hard so whew. right i'm hoping i can just kind of get my head down I don't think I can do much more running I've done a fair amount actually but um, my legs are pretty shot now I've got my poles I've got them at the drop bag about five miles back I'll be going back past my drop bag obviously in another five miles so I'll be able to just stock up on bits and pieces and then head off um, hopefully should make it past Cloverly um, Cavalelli, sorry, um, before the cut off, and then I should be all right. Such wood, we shall see. Oh, stay like though, that's good. Bit of energy, bit of warmth in the body would be nice. I was quite, in some ways, I was quite proud that I'd actually been able to pull it back from being in last place to 20th out of 29. And it was disheartening to see the people behind me who were still kind of, because I had to obviously run back past them as they were still making their way. Yeah. And they all kind of knew that they were going to get cut. Um, yeah. some of them were pushing it hard because they thought they might make it but they they didn't uh so then all of a sudden i was at the back again 
halfway through the race and uh, pushing it to think, my word, I've got quite a long way to go. Um, and my pace is, is slowing um, a bit. But I was kind of confident at that point. Um, I wasn't running hardly any of it at that point. I you know I just didn't have enough running in my legs. So when I got back to a checkpoint called Peppercombe, uh, which is an old, in an old kind of disused barn, that's 5.5 miles from the turnaround. There's a runner there and she was struggling a bit as well. And we kind of teamed up at that point. So that's the first time during the race that I'd actually started working with somebody to try and get a finish. And I looked at how you were doing from there as I was stood on the harbour mm. at Clavelli. So I'm stood on the harbour wall in Clavelli. Oh my goodness, is this place pretty. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. And we've had to come down a really, really steep cobbled path through the middle of the village to get to the race start. The sun's out. Actually, it was going to be cloudy, but I don't think it is. So it looks like it's going to be a beautiful day. Thane's still not got through the checkpoint here, I don't think. Uh, I'm really hoping he makes the cutoff at 10. But it looks like I'll be starting in front of him so I won't get to see him through the whole race. I don't, I'm not sure you could have a more beautiful start to a marathon. I'm really not. It's just amazing. So I didn't think you'd manage to get past Clavelli before the start. Really funny start, I think, at the Clavelli Marathon. Mm. Clavelli, if you haven't been there, is at the bottom of a very, very, very steep slope through this amazing old village stroke town that's completely pedestrianised. Roads are tiny cobbled. and It's about a one in three slope down through the village. And so when they did the old ready, steady, go, nobody ran. <laughs> Everybody just walked off the start line. The ultra start. <laughs> and walked up the hill. Yeah. And as I got to the top of the hill, I heard someone go, Anthony! And thought, who on earth's that? And of course it was your girlfriend who'd come down to watch you run. And I asked her and said, has he gone past yet? And she said, no. To which my marathon had started at nine. The cutoff there for you was at 10. Mm-hmm. So I knew you were right backed up against your cutoffs. I had 10 hours to finish yeah. a marathon. It was The cutoffs were never going to be an issue for me. Did but, she give you an indication of whether... Well, I think she said to me that she thought you'd got through the last bit by about 10 minutes. Yeah. So That was the turnaround. Yeah. yeah. So I think that was all we knew at that point. Yeah. And so I, nothing I could do. I just ran off. Yeah. But at that point, I never expected you to come past me. I never expected yes. to see you because yeah, I'm yeah. on fresh legs. You're not. It's nothing to do with yeah. our running abilities. Yeah. Anyone who's run 40 miles is unlikely to go past someone mm. who, who's starting on fresh legs. Yeah. Especially with your 10,000 foot in your legs by that exactly. time. So yeah. I ran off and then you got to Clavelli. Just. Um, again, I, I think for that aid station, I was maybe there like seven minutes before the cutoff, something wow. like that. We knew it was going to be tight, even though from Peppercombe to Clavelli, it's only what five, another five and a half miles. Um, there's a lot of climb in it and we were having to put the hammer down and we were having to run as much as we could in the end to try and get there and, and bearing in mind how much climb and distance you've done at that stage. That's quite hard to do it. Yeah. Um, we got there. Um, uh, quickly stuffed our faces. This is when I suddenly realised that part of my strategy had gone wrong with food. I've come to learn now what will and won't work. And I had loaded up with gels, which I didn't really take that many of. I had some dry food with me and I had failed to pick up at Peppercombe, my Ella's Kitchens, the wet food stuff. And no matter how I, what I tried to eat, the gels just weren't really working or difficult to, to get down and the dry food which I would normally yomp through you know really favourite food I'd eat just just generally I just couldn't get it down my mouth it just was it was balling up in my mouth and I just even if I drank water I just couldn't swallow it and then I was starting to get into the the heat was starting to come back into the day the heat certainly was coming into the day and I was still dressed kind of like you know with my tights on and stuff like that my winter tights uh, which were perfect at night, but now were starting to slow me up. And I just couldn't get food down. And I knew now that I was going to really struggle to get energy on board. Uh, and I was at the aid station trying to eat like as well sausage roll, which was very similar to what I was carrying in my pack. I just couldn't get it in me. <laughs> well, and on top of that, you're in warm clothes now and you're so up against the cutoff. You haven't got time to change. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, well, I just need to get ahead in order to 
buy myself some time to, to sort myself out because yeah. you've got to take your trail shoes off and this and that and you can have blisters and stuff it's just not a simple case of having to whop off a pair of trousers no absolutely it's not so return to what you were saying about it warming up let's drop in this clip here from me at five kilometers so i'm just over five kilometers into the tsunami marathon or cabelli marathon depending what you're going to call it and it's kind of exactly what i expected really Lots of short, sharp lines, followed by some very short, sharp descents, uh, up and down, up and down. And that's good. Did the first 5k in 40 minutes, which is pretty much bang on schedule, really. I want to do six hours. So, yeah, good. It's a glorious day. The only worry I guess is the uh, heat that might kick in. Well, I guess already is kicking in. That's something we're all going to have to live with. So, yeah. Oh, yes, another one. Off we go. That way? No, and they're all going that way. I'm just, I was just checking that there weren't any, I couldn't see a marker. Yeah, hmm. yeah. markings are okay on the course. Could be better. Right, get another head on. So look, there's the clip from me at five kilometres. And before I play the ones from 15 and 16, just after I spoke there, you heard me say, oh, no, we don't need to go through there to somebody. Well, actually, we should. Because I'd followed everybody else. There was a gate. Mm. We should have gone through it. Yeah. And either I didn't see the marker or someone had nicked it. And we all ended... Everyone was following everyone else. And we got to this hill and someone went, there is no path here. And we ended up running through this massive cornfield. And someone went, which direction do we go? And someone went, duh, towards the sea. We're going to hit the path eventually. And eventually we all came up, we saw another marker. But it just shows you as well in these races. And you spoke at an event recently where a guy talked about navigation and not necessarily following everybody and how silly that can be. Yeah. Got to take charge of your own nav. Yeah. It's like there's a famous car sticker in the orienteering when I used to do it years ago. It says, don't follow me. I'm lost too. Yes. And it, it's, it's, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah, couldn't, couldn't put that better. Yeah. Really, really couldn't. And so look, here's some clips of me at 15 kilometers and then 16 kilometers, which I think demonstrate just how hot it was. So I've just gone through 15k in an hour and 50 minutes, which I'm pleased with. Very pleased. Uh, still a sub six hour pace. Feeling okay. Uh, had a few bits of uh, um, stick which I don't normally get but uh, I guess I'm taking on quite a lot of fluid to try and combat what is a hot day so not quite as hot as I remember Lola being last year so yeah just running down towards the sea now uh, lovely sea breeze coming up it's beautiful yeah, it's absolutely lovely. And it's about to start, yes, another climb. It's very up and down at the moment, literally down to a sort of almost a cove area, maybe not quite, and then up to the top of the cliff again. Oh, anyway, keep going. I am, I am 10 miles into the marathon, but next to me, 21 and a half miles into the ultra, is David. How are your legs? Yeah, they're all right, actually. Uh, felt better, but felt worse, so. Yeah, yeah. that's um, four hours in. You've got probably, we've probably got another, we keep this pace of about another four hours, roughly, to yeah, go. I'm lucky. <laughs> You, you know. say you're from around here and the, uh, yeah, from the wor- uh, just on the when we pass the Cornwall Devon border and the worst is yet to come yeah that's the problem with this race for me in particular because I know what's coming <laughs> oh, right. I mean it is up and down up and down isn't it yeah and the up and downs haven't really started yet <laughs> yeah but, uh, I did think it was a bit good, too good running given what people had said about it <laughs> yeah. oh. run. and you say you're not a runner not really I'm more of a long distance hiker oh okay I do like um 
cross continent like walking. Oh wow! You need to do the spine. Oh yeah, I walked that actually uh, uh, last year. Traveling <coughs> the Cambrian way anyway. But, uh, running more of like a. I don't have a train. It's just a <coughs> <coughs> Yeah, you keep going. And look, I, I actually wasn't sick then. I know it sounded like I was, but it was just the, the physical effort caused me to dry heave effectively. It's the closest I think I've ever come. Um, I don't know, of course, famously in episode two, we've got you on, on yeah. recorder actually vomiting. So yeah, it, it made me feel unwell. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever felt quite so unwell mm. in a race after 10 miles yeah, as yeah. I did there. Now, the interesting thing for me was I decided for the probably the first time ever I've done a race to try and go ultra light mm. and really, really think about it. I've normally been, as you were in this one, cautious about what I do and I decided to not do that. And so I had only taken enough drinks for what I thought would be my finish. So I had seven bottle fills, effectively. Yeah. Two and two to start with. Because you use your own powder, don't you? Because I use my own powder. So I take take the powders with me and then fill up with the water. And of course, you didn't have any drop bags on yours, did you? No drop bags, no. Right, okay. And I took, I think, seven gels. Yeah. For... Well, I thought that was being a bit conservative, actually. As it turned out, it certainly wasn't. And I burned through those water bottles in absolutely no time at all almost yeah and ended up rationing there's certainly as you said the gaps between some of the A stations were not small at all mm. and they had suggested that you might want to think about that and maybe even carry extra yeah you know the minimum carry for them was a litre mm. but you might want to think about extra and they were absolutely right mm. and all of us who think we know better you know decided <laughs> not to um because it might only be like five miles between the A stations, but there's like 4,000 foot climb. <laughs> well, exactly. So, and it got to the point where I was having to ration liquid, which is never a good thing to be doing. Mm. Yeah. So I learned from that the, really the hard way that just carry that little bit extra, carry that little bit extra. And now I've gone back to what I used to do, which even if I haven't got a full set of powders or anything else, I tend to carry a nun tablet or two wrapped up in foil. Yeah. Stuck somewhere tiny in my emergency bag. Next to zero even if, weight. <laughs> if, if, even if I just get the electrolytes and don't get the carbs. Yeah. Um, I've got that for the end of the race. That's a good but point. But also, do you know what? Soft bottles do not weigh a lot. Yeah. And having a third soft bottle empty, mm. chucked in your backpack. And if you see there's an aid station that's a bit bigger, pulling it out, filling it up and chucking it in the back. Yeah. Which is what I did at Transvulcania. Yeah. To good effect. Yeah. And haven't done since. Uh, yeah. And and I and I did do it, and it worked to good effect when I had the bladder. Yes. So it yeah, and you didn't do it to Charles Carney. No, no. So, so there's a lesson <laughs> no. here, people. Make sure you've got enough liquid. You know what? You, and again, once again, it takes that uncertainty out of it. Yeah. You know, the amount of time I saved by not having the extra weight mm. was completely offset by the amount I had to slow down because I was rationing liquid. Yeah. And the worry behind it. And and you never know what the weather's going to be like. It was hotter than anyone had thought it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, so why not just chuck in the extra 20 grams for a, you know, just a very simple bladder, a very simple bottle. Or something even different. You've got those um, sort of drinking straws that you can literally dip in a stream and drink from. Yeah. There's, you know on this race that we're going to be loads and loads of streams running down because yeah. that's effectively what creates the valleys that's up and down the cliffs. Yeah. If I just had that with me... You know, I'd, every half mile you're going to be going across another stream. stream. And I could have just stuck my head down, have, had a couple of slurps, and that would have been absolutely fine. So yeah. little things, again... The little life straws you just suck out of... Mm. Yeah, definitely worth thinking about in these races. You know, these are not flat road races. Everyone is different and you've got to look at each one individually and work out what's going to work for you. Yeah. So look, I was now experiencing what you'd had the night before, but in reverse in terms of big ups, big downs. And at this point now, we've got the sun beating on us. Mm. I can only imagine how it must have felt for you with all those miles in your legs already and struggling to get food in and you've been awake for 24 hours already. In fact, more than that already. Yeah. You must have felt like shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you got that kind of confidence uh, with the lady I was running with that we'd got through the last two checkpoints with like 10 minutes to go at each one. 
and thinking, well, I just need to do this another time because when we get to a certain stage in the race, you've then got a bit more time to get to the finish. You know, the pace drops off. But the big question in our, in our minds was, could we make it to Heartland Key, which is the next big cutoff we had to make? Uh, and if we felt if we got there in time, we stood a good chance of finishing. Yeah, and, and I seem to remember thinking that the cutoffs for all that back bit for you mm. were really quite racy. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, the guy that won it was, was almost... Was <laughs> Another almo- level. <laughs> well, yeah, he was almost at the finish before we even got in the bus to go off to Clavelli the next one. It was ridiculous. <laughs> he did it really fast. Um, but just to kind of paint a picture from Clavelli, where we just made the cutoff, yeah. to the next one at Heartland Key was 10.2 miles. It's not an insignificant amount of distance. No, and I think you have three hours or something to do it There's a lot of climb. Yeah. yeah. And now, as you say, the temperature was just going, you know, going through the ceiling. It yeah. was really properly warm. And whilst we might have done all right for the first few miles, it became increasingly apparent, just like the required run rate in cricket. You know, what pace do I need to finish at? And all of a sudden... Just like when you know your team's about to win a cricket match, it just starts to raise and get higher and higher and higher. And you know that the speed you need to run at is just getting away from you. Yeah. And then there was this kind of sudden realisation. Uh, and, and the lady I was with put the hammer down a bit and got a bit ahead, but then I caught her up. Um, yeah, and she was struggling and she was a bit upset that she probably wasn't going to be able to finish. And then it was that kind of realisation that there's no way you're going to be able to finish it now. You know, we were at the back for a good eight hours or whatever. Uh, and we were obviously the next ones that would get chopped. And the main question was, would we make it or would we not? And unfortunately, the axe fell. And we knew that coming into uh, Hartling Key. So for the first time ever, actually, in a race, I was caught up by the sweepers. I mean, sometimes I've been at the back, but I've never been sweeped before. Swept. Swept before, swept. sorry. Yeah, sweep. Sweep, swept. Sweep, swept. say swept. Yeah, and never been swept up before. So people who don't know, uh, in ultras, what you normally have is you have sweepers at the back who have a number of functions. They're there as safety to make sure they're picking up the last people, but they're also there to pick up the trail markers. And I think we've got a clip of you chatting to your sweepers um, just as they were telling you, basically, mate, your race is over. Yeah. Right, so just approaching, um, what's it called? Something key. Something key. Homewood key. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's about 58, 59 miles, something like that. Um, the backstory is, got through Cavelli, um with just 10 minutes to go. So before the cutoff, decided to carry on, but having run a fair amount to get the cutoff at halfway and a fair amount to get the cutoff there um, just spent in hindsight shouldn't have started but because it's like a 10 mile section but hey hum it's good training so uh, kind of met up with uh, another runner who's stopping on ours <coughs> and, and also with two sweepers I didn't catch your name sorry mate uh, Russell Russell yeah. yeah there's no way we're going to make the next cut off because it's getting slower and slower now so I'm going to pull out here and let Russell get on with his job of sweeping sweeping the entire ultra marathon course so that's a 37 and a half mile run looking after the poor souls at the back which now happens to be me yeah then you'll speed up again well you can't get yeah, any slower than this get, yeah, I say, <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 no we'll uh, just um pick up again and pick up to the last man who's probably gonna get cut off in the next cut off point so yeah <laughs> yeah and then you hopefully Deadly. you'll be done at seven ish i dare say it'll be a bit yeah. later than that though yeah probably. it'll be just after for us yeah but um yeah no it's all right well thanks for your company and it's yeah first time i've been swept up yeah, oh, it's all right. It's a privilege. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it's that a, as a privilege. You know, it's uh, a, yeah. it's a, uh, when these ultras, there's always a, you know, a, a varying range of jobs, and sweeping's a hard one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Collecting all the flags and looking after the people at the back. So yeah, top job. Thank you very much indeed for your company. That's right. Thanks. So look, you got to the next aid station and got cut. Yeah, so we got there about 40 minutes after the cutoff. Had a really nice chat with the two sweepers on the way there. And then that was, uh, yeah, 60 of the 75 miles. Obviously, we were cut anyway, but there's absolutely no chance of getting to the next aid station if we wanted to. 
So chalk it up to experience. It was still warm. The views were fantastic. What I had run at night the previous day was now daylight, so I could see it in a different perspective. And it is stunning around there. It is absolutely stunning. And do you know what? With a little bit more of a breeze, Mm. it would have been a totally different race, I think. Yeah. In terms of how it felt and how well people did and everything Mm. else. And that's not the race organisers for, obviously. You know, you they put the race then. They did it at the right time, I think, for, for what they were trying to do. It was a great race. But I think that the, the weather certainly seemed to take its toll on everybody else. Yeah. So at that point, of course, I'm running past and along with people who are doing the ultra. Got there in the morning. I then started going past people who are doing the 16 miler and people who are on the seven and a half miler. Loads of different types of people. And I, that was what I thought was really good about this race in that there are people doing that race who you and I wouldn't see doing a marathon mm. in the middle of the Yorkshire Moors, for example. But these are people who can do a 10K. Yeah. And have come out to give a beautiful trail run a go. Mm. And there were big groups of them. Yeah. All just running together. They'd all signed up together. Like you see when you see sort of city half marathons of people who've gone out and they've done the training together or race for life and things like that. And it was great watching them come over the finish line because I was waiting for you to finish because I effectively yeah. then leapfrogged you in the car to get to the finish. Yeah. Seeing all the people coming in in groups. And it was really, really, really touching to see the people who've gone out and like, you know, achieved. Absolutely. And I, th- I think it's a real point of merit for this race and what they've done all the different distances and the way they organised it Mm. and the bringing together of people of vastly different abilities but finishing in random times over a finish line a a really nice dynamic yes it was really really good so you've been struggling with the heat struggling to take on water how was the back half of your race? bloody awful (laughs) it really was I mean I've got a few clips and let's drop some of those in and then let's talk about it okay so we are just over 30k into the Tsunami Stroke Clavelli Marathon, depending on what you want to call it. Uh, and hopefully we're going to come into the next aid station in about a mile. It's been really tough since the last bit. I'm going on with Chris. We've been yeah. saying that was just horrid. Exhausting. Yeah. I think the hilliest section at the hottest time of day as well. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you're off to do... Did you say Black Rat? The Black Rat, yeah. Um, Organised by Mud Crew down on the Roseland. Uh, so that's six weeks away. Oh. It should be good prep if it doesn't ruin me. Well, yeah, what you want is a little <laughs> bit more cloud than this, though. I'm hoping. A little bit of rain. Oh. The views there are stunning, aren't they? I was going to say. So what got you into ultras and trail running? Uh, I did a marathon last year on the road. Um... And then we live uh, live just off the coast of part of Newton, so we do quite a lot of trail running. Oh, lovely. A lot more fun, obviously, than road running. I think so. Um, so yeah, looking for what to step it up and do a challenge a year. After doing the marathon last year, I thought I'd step it up to a, an ultra this year. So how long's that one? It's, it's a 32, so oh, cool. the lower end of the scale. Well, should be good. yeah, those extra six miles. <laughs> yeah. 19 almost in now <laughs> another yeah good. right it's going to get downhill I guess mm-hmm. we should run shouldn't we, we should. <laughs> <laughs> thanks mate <clears throat> so we've just gone through the last aid station on the marathon there's three miles to go just over six hours uh, I'm not even going to try and make six and a half my legs are shot boiling hot uh, everybody's struggling a lot but hey it'll definitely be under 7 hours unless something catastrophic goes wrong just got to get it in there now oh, I've had really bad cramps on and off I've had to keep stopping and stretching out and there's certainly a fairly good chance I'll get them again on the way back in the last two miles that is what it is hope they got to the uh, got through the cutoffs or at least the uh, half past one one it's not half past four yet so oh, the views are amazing on this map and there is no doubt about it but you pay for them with your legs and your lungs but mostly your legs. Right. 
So look, you know, you've got one there where I say, you know, it's tougher than it looks. And I think that absolutely was on that day. And you could have done the profiles as we did and looked at them beforehand. And you could look at the coast and you could look at the terrain and everything else. The sum of the different parts of that race were, made it tougher. Mm. I really, really think they did. You know, and I said in the clip, it's, it's been horrid. I got really awful cramps, which I completely put down to a lack of electrolytes in my body and lack of the right amount of fluids. Yeah. Really, really do. And yeah, I was just shot by the end of it. And in a nice possible way, it's a marathon with 2000 meters of climb. You know, we do a lot of running now. I yeah. do a lot of running. Mm. I, I shouldn't have felt anywhere near as bad as I did mm. at the end of that race. And I put that down to the heat, which I couldn't necessarily get around. Yeah. But also my poor hydration strategy. Yeah. To give you an idea of how bad I was, and I've told people about this and they've been truly shocked, I wear a running cap. Yeah. A white running cap. And normally it's Velcro straps on the back and the Velcro is nearly almost completely overlapping each other when I put it on. And I tend to find when I race that my head just sometimes just grows a little bit, you know, as I'm getting hot and things. By the time I finished it, there was hardly any Velcro (laughs) touching Velcro. Wow. And when I came home, and I've got a few other caps at home that are fixed size, I literally couldn't get them on my head. How bizarre. So is that a sodium thing? Because that's almost like water retention. In I don't way. know what it was. Because sometimes you get imbalances and you can kind of start to take on more. But There's I didn't think it can have been. But it can't have been. Because I drunk less than I normally do. I think yeah. that's the point. Um, I think it was just... Okay. Yeah, it was... I, mm. almost, I was felt quite ill. And when I, yeah. I came over the finish line and I saw you... Well, look, let, let's play the clip. This has been one tough race. Oh, yes, it has. Finish number six hours forty. Which ain't bad. Thanks. Oh, Chris has picked up his daughter. He's running with the finish line. How lovely is that? Mate. How lovely to have your daughter at the finish. Yeah. Mate. We beat you back here. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Thanks. Oh, Cramp. Yeah. <laughs> Don't feel well. That's Don't all. Well. Oh. So what do you want? Do you want some more water? Water. Water would be lovely. Thank you. Anything. Have you got anything to fill it up? Fill? I, don't think I, I don't think they get, they won't give you anything unless you fill it up. Okay, got it. Thanks. How'd you find it? It's a lot of climb, isn't it? Yeah. When did, did you get cut or did you pull? I got cut. At uh, um, 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 Harbour. What time did you get there? Oh, well, I, I beat two cut-offs. I got the turnaround by 10 minutes. And yeah, I could see pushed it really hard and got Confelli by 10 minutes. But then we were just... You know, spent. You know, because you got to push hard. Yeah. And then on the next one, we had to go all the way to the to the harbour. It was just like, you know, the wheels just coming off. Just get really literally been here five minutes. Okay. Oh mate, I've got such bad cramps. I genuinely think I could. I could definitely go under six and a half. Yeah. And that times I've had to stop to stretch out. Six or something. I got 6.37.52 I got okay we started I think we've started before 9 yeah here it comes oh thank you my goodness it just goes up and down doesn't it just up down up down down. absolutely relentless and once the cramp kicked in yeah I ended up right at the end on a little bit of liquid management which is never good either you don't have to have to manage you know Ration yourself oh, to get, to, get yeah, to the yeah, yeah, yeah. We we back. We were getting low. <laughs> I did all right. I just about managed it, but yeah. Yeah. I took to think about it a bit. I've, I've used absolutely everything. Yeah. Oh, apart from the jelly babies. I mean, yeah. I've, I've eaten them, but I've got no gels left, no powders left, well, nothing. Okay. Well. Oh. Oh, I keep getting cramps. <laughs> oh. 
It's quite a pretty mar- a pretty meadow. Very pretty meadow. <laughs> nice. Another race I'm gonna have to come back in bloody day. So look, I mean, there I said it to you. You know, got cramps. Doesn't feel good. Yeah. And uh, so your missus goes off, and gets me a drink. But it was just, you know, relentless, mm. relentless up and down. Is it, do you think sometimes it's also the the type of climb? Because there's like 2,000 metres and there's 2,000 metres. Well, I think this is the no. point we said earlier, isn't it? You combine the temperature with the how it is underfoot, how technical it is or isn't, yeah. with the climbs to the fact that it's not something you can just climb and then have a long break from. It's up and down. It's relentless. Yeah. So it's it's all of those things that come together. And look, I wouldn't want people to listen to this and think, I don't want to go and do that race. It sounds awful. On another day, yeah. it would have been fine. And if I'd done my hydration strategy right, it would have been fine. Mm. And if I hadn't pushed myself too hard, for example, maybe at the beginning, which I probably did, it would have been fine. It's yeah. a brilliant race. Yeah. A brilliant concept. We both really enjoyed the bits that we enjoyed, if you like. <laughs> and the bits we didn't enjoy was as much that it wasn't down to the race. It was down to us. Yes. So should we do our quiz? We can do our quiz if you like. Yeah, let's do that. We should ask each other the quiz. We should do it. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Okay. Yeah. You're ahead of me. I'm there. Right. right for the first time. The <laughs> thing. Tsunami 24. Course. Length, climb and terrain. 75 miles. About 17,000 foot of climb. And it's a mixture of track, path, trail. Best bit. The views. Worst bit. Racing cutoffs. <laughs> yeah. Did you enjoy it? I did, yes. And even though you'd think, okay, it wasn't a finish and maybe I should have downgraded, it was... You, you can go training. You know, If sometimes, although maybe you shouldn't start something you're only part confident you can finish, you couldn't have got a better training run than actually going to a race and actually having done 60 miles that much climb is, you know, fantastic. You can't just go out on your own and do that. So, Yes. So the answer was yes. It was yes. <laughs> would you recommend it? Yes, absolutely. And will you do it again? Or would yes. you? Sorry, I guess I should ask you: Would you do it again? But yes, I would do it again. I've not booked it for next year, but it's on my list to do next year because um, I've got a few wrongs I need to right. And it was a fantastic race. is isn't. I'm not going back just because I didn't finish it this year, and I want to go back and finish it. I want to go back because I enjoyed it, and I want to. I want to give it another go. Yeah. Okay. And it wasn't expensive. It was reasonably close to home from Southwest. You know, yeah. it was, it was manageable. Yeah. It, it was, it was really good. Anthony, slightly different race. Slightly different race. Race details. So it's a marathon distance. So 26.2 miles. Climb about 2,000 meters. So six, over just over 6,000 feet. I don't know. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. Yeah. And in terms of terrain, yeah. So it's the Southwest coastal path effectively, isn't it? So it's, Lots of ups and downs, one after the other. It's chalky, sandy, very steep ups and downs. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, we've mixed in with a little bit of grass and fields and stuff. Mm. Yeah, it's an all-round mix, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Best bit? Clabelli Harbour. Um, I mean, almost just... As a I race start, it, it's just... It was a beautiful race start. It really was. And that's one thing. On my course, and also the other ultra, you don't go down it. You don't go down Clavelli, no. So I've never seen it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just went straight across the I mean, of it. Yeah, yeah, really, really lovely. Okay. Do they film any famous movies there? They probably have, yeah. It's like an oldie-woldie kind of like, yeah. you know. You can imagine something like, like pole dark. Pole dark. Been, been yeah. done there or something <laughs> like that, I can <laughs> imagine, yeah. Um, worst bit? My race management. Okay. All right. On the day, my race management was the worst bit of that. Constant learning experience. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? Not the second half. Yes, for the first. Do you know what? No, I'm going to say no, because it was just too hot from the beginning. Would you recommend it? Yeah, absolutely. I would. I think it's a fantastic race. I think the concept across the five races is brilliant. And would you do it again? Probably not, because I've done it now and there's Mm. lots of other races to run. Yeah. Uh, but I wouldn't want people to think that's because, again, that I wouldn't recommend it, wouldn't enjoy it, because I did. It was I just really the race did. on the day as it transpired. Didn't yeah. It? So we've got some stuff in the can from races we've done over the summer. Uh, we're just going to put out in a couple more podcasts, but I don't think we're going to put them out necessarily just talking about the races. Yeah. I think we'll use them to uh, 
talk about some other stuff that, that we think is worth bringing out about trail running and ultra running yeah so we have got a, as you say we have got a bit of a backlog to get through it yep. might not be in chronological that we release them and you'll be able to listen to them on Podbean on Stitcher on iTunes and drumroll on Spotify on Spotify we are now on Spotify just one click away that's right <laughs> but of course you can follow us on social media on Instagram and on Twitter we are at Runners on Trail and you can email us at runnersontrail at gmail.com you can so look we hope you've had a good racing summer um, the year's not over yet and there's races you know through the winter as well so there are if you like it cold and wet oh I like it cold and wet I know you like it cold and wet but look go out there get training sensibly and now's a good time also to probably do some weight training or other kind of aspects yep and put cool running stuff on your Christmas list yeah <laughs> And, and start planning next year as we know from a bit of experience if you leave it till next year to start planning your races all those ones you want to go to or sods law will be fully booked out some of them already are so uh, yeah start thinking about it now we'll be back soon